When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, and welcome back to Realistic Sustainability. I'm Mike, and I'm here with Nick. Good morning, sir. Uh, yes, no, kind of. It's not even a super early morning like we've recorded in the past, but your brother was kind of running like a diesel this morning. It took a minute to get him going. <laughs> well, it doesn't help that it was cold outside. At least no one broke your handles off on the inside. Right. Funny story that we'll probably cover someday. It, mostly not even because it was cold. I could have stayed in the house the whole time. I am here from the incomplete area here at Dabble, or as I would like to call Dabble Studios when the time comes, where we'll be able to start recording. I'm actually at my building, and it's only because I left my show notes here. Yesterday when I was working on the building itself, I brought them so I could add and subtract as I'm thinking, and never took them home. See, that right there is the beauty and the functionality of Google Docs. If, or any really online thing, if you just put it online, you could just click share and you don't have to worry about keeping it with you. Which is true. And you know, in most cases, I am a technology nerd. And in case we ever use this video for anything, I'll just show everybody. I have a childlike notebook full of notes. So when I do, when I write these shows, I literally write these shows on paper. Indeed. And you know, this is the first time where it's ever hindered anything. And to be honest, it doesn't really hinder much. It's it's 9.30. We were supposed to go on at 9, and I had other stuff to do, so it's not a big deal. I'm just happy that, you know, you're able to join me and that you're actually sitting there at Dabble. I mean, this is your, you're popping Dabble's cherry. This is awesome. <laughs> at some point, well, right now we're working on the gaming area. Jamie yesterday completely mm. ripped apart that teller wall because it used to be a bank. Yep. So she's pulling all that apart. So the upstairs is officially under construction. And downstairs is just about done. So pretty soon when they get the fiber optic run in here, I can find little corners and be able to work from here. But it's going to be a while before the studio's up. Well, yeah, I mentioned, whoa, I imagine that's going to take a bit of money, you know, insulating the room, making sure that it, it's soundproof and you get the right kind of acoustics and stuff in there. That's not as easy as just putting foam on the wall. You got to actually do some work in that. Well, hopefully in the near future, we'll be able to have nice, solid, high-speed internet and a sound room for realistic sustainability. So this week, what I wanted to talk about, and this is because I've been getting messages, is I wanted to talk about electric vehicles or EVs or even plug-in hybrids versus reality. What is the reality of electric vehicles? We've, we've talked about electric vehicles in a lot of different ways, but it seems like almost quarterly, Someone sends me a Facebook meme or a Facebook comment or something that in the effect that electric vehicles are no better than internal combustion engine vehicles. So I figured what better place to address those. We can address it here. I think it's a good idea, but I think we need to like we need to keep something in mind when, when those people continuously send you the same thing there may be a moment in life where you realize that it, it does no good to address things if they don't pay attention enough to realize they've already sent you the same thing they're not going to realize that you're addressing it at all but 
I do believe this is a battle that we need to pick and choose because they are the future of the automotive industry, at least in my estimation they are, especially if they keep getting better with technology and they keep being more efficient and cheaper, then gas is on its way out. Well, and it's not just in our estimation. All the large automotive companies are now doubling down. General Motors just announced a $60 million rollout for electric chargers in Michigan. Okay. So you have, you know, the biggest of big three doubling down uh, where I work. And, and I know other automakers have stated that almost all the combustion engines will be eliminated by t- uh, 2025, that there only be a, hand, a handful. And you can pretty much say goodbye to large engine internal combustible. You'll have twin turbo small engine. Well, my thought process on that is that it's going to become more of a novelty thing where people are going to have the option to choose that as a package instead of an electric vehicle. And in that case, if that ends up happening, then the uh, the internal combustion factories will probably only have like a seasonal line that runs or they'll be relegated to a small factory that runs sometimes because if your majority of your manufacturing on the line is going to go towards electric, then you're uh, it's completely different. You're not going to have you know an option to just go this one and then switch to this one on the same line. It's got to be in a whole different location, um, different tools different parts and i assume that um when you say it's going to be you know just a few it's probably going to be like the more high-end sports cars and i'm sure that there'll be high-end sports cars that are electric too but i think that until the mentality of uh loving like race cars and going fast and you know turning the key and hearing that loud rumble and roar until that goes away like we're always going to have that market that's always going to be there people are going to get money and they're going to want to use it to make stupid choices well and it's that's the feel. I like the sound of of a vehicle when it starts up. Like my my pickup, for example, is a V8. And when you start it, it gives a little bit of a rumble. In our, our lifetime, our history that we've had with vehicles, that's just inbred into me. The difference is, is I understand the practicality in switching. I am on the list for, I may not buy it, nor will I be able to afford the very first ones that come out. But I'm on the list to see the all-electric Silverados. Because I know that, first of all, they're going to tow better than what I have. They're going to be more powerful, more torque. And I don't drive that much anymore. And they'll do a heck of a job for me. In theory, I use the phrase in theory a lot because obviously I'm not a scientist and I don't really study the mathematics to any of this stuff. But in theory, an electric truck, if there was ever a space where electricity made sense electric trucks would make more sense to haul because it's instant torque they don't have to build they don't have to shift it's not going to be a a long drawn out process to to start moving freight especially with 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 semis it's instant torque so my only concern would be if the tires break loose but they i mean in theory the math should be there so they don't but that'd be my only concern is if the tires break loose because they're putting so much power behind them and i assume because it's instant it's instant power it's it's got to be it's got to be possible, especially if someone, whoever's driving it, is an idiot. Well, I know a handful of people who have always been adamantly against electric vehicles. They have always shied away from them or even spoke ill, who now own one and love it. The fact that they have not been to a gas station in months, they love the fact that that vehicle just charges at home, takes them to work, takes them wherever, to the point where the other family member who didn't like it at first they're like almost fighting over the car. Who gets that car that day? So apparently just owning one kind of turns you around a little bit. Well, you, you just touched on something I didn't consider. That's a really interesting concept. You know, one of the draws, at least right now, as I'm thinking about it, of having an electric vehicle is the 
in, in our day and age, a little more, uh, the ability to be a little more self-sufficient because as it sits right now with it, with an internal combustion motor, you're, you're kind of required to go to gas stations and, and you're at the, the mercy of gas companies and all these taxes and stuff. And it might sound ridiculous when I say that, because it's just kind of our way of life. It's been our way of life for you know almost a hundred years, but I mean, really, really think about that. Like really like put yourself in a position where the, instead of having to go get fuel for a vehicle, it's built into the infrastructure of your home. So you don't actually have to leave to have the ability to leave. If that makes sense, you don't have to make another stop. You just got to make sure you plug it in and make sure it's charged. That that's kind of cool. And, and, to be honest, there's such a huge amount of people these days that, that don't really care for going out in public and they don't care for interacting with other people. Not that they dislike other people, they just they're insecure, they have anxiety, they have phobias, whatever the reason is. Um, this allows them to stay home and not actually have to be in situations with large crowds. I think it's really well, cool. And on top of the fact that all of a sudden, and I think part of it is a political driven conversation is gas is obviously higher because demand is higher. People are driving more than what they were when they were in COVID. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we're looking at, you know, $3, three and a quarter for a gallon of gas. And very few people realize that if they were buying gas in Canada, if they're throwing a fit about $3 a gallon, they'd be really, really upset once they realize that the price that you see in Canada is per liter mm-hmm. and that they spend closer to $6 a gallon, and most countries do. But the chargers that are going in in, in Michigan allow you to just put your credit card in, and it's per minute. If you let that sit there for 30 minutes while you get a haircut, it'll cost you about $8.50 to charge it. And that'll give you 300 miles. Yeah, that's that's a full that that's pretty much a full tank compared to a gasoline engine. Mm-hmm. I, I'm sure that there are there's variables. There's going to be cars that are super efficient, have tiny little four banger motors that get ridiculous gas mileage. And yeah, you know they're going to go further out, but they also have a smaller tank. But if you can get 300 miles, I think 300 miles is probably a sound amount for the average person. Obviously, I don't know, but I can't imagine someone drives more than 300 miles in one day. I know some people do, obviously, but I think outside of like sales reps for for, uh, companies that work based off commission or like people that are like general managers in multiple locations of stores where they go store to store to store every day, 300 miles is a big ticket. That's a lot of that's a lot of driving. Yeah, and the biggest thing that people complain about or fear, I won't say complain about, is range. How will it function? How will the range be different, especially here in Michigan where we get changes in our climate? How will it work? Sorry, our seasons. We have these you know, hot and cold periods. How will the batteries function? Do I lose my range, gain range? How does that work? But we also have to keep in mind, Amazon ordered 100,000 vans that are purely electric. And I, the last time I was in Auburn Hills, swinging in through work to meet with a supplier, mm-hmm. there was a gas station completely filled with Amazon vans because there was a warehouse right next door. And seriously, it was not one other customer could get into that gas station because there was about 35 of those small delivery vans where if they get if they start buying hundreds of thousands of electric vehicles, they're just going to charge on site. When they get done, they go. Yep. So the memes that we I, that get sent to me all the time, there's, there's this one that I think people fail to, to realize isn't the United States, but it has this little car on the side of the road with a diesel generator on a trailer creating electricity plugged into the car. And mm-hmm. it always says, you know, a diesel generator pulled by a truck with an internal combustion engine creating electricity to charge your car. 
the, the, actually, our sister posted that one and it said the future looks stupid or something in that sense. When, first of all, we're looking at, okay, so we look at this thing objectively. Mm-hmm. It is it is not a United States. It, you can see the plate. It's obviously from Europe. But it's also one of those things that there's no context to it whatsoever. Uh-huh. You know, so you don't know <laughs> where this is, why this is, but that is not your future. That is your future if you never charge your vehicle. But it's the same future you have. I can say the same thing about the past is really stupid while they're pushing a car up a trailer because they ran out of gas. Yep. Those are the kinds of things we see. There's always the big long story that shows the picture of the Tesla that talks about it's plugged into the energy grid, which is coal and oil and all those things. And those are all true, by the way. Those are all absolutely true, but it's still not as bad as internal combustion. All your emissions are centralized at the plant. You now have a single source. And in some of those cases, depending on your... The, your plant in your area some of those have a pretty decent mix of renewables where you're never going to have a mix of renewables in your gas tank Mm -hmm. so those are the things that people don't tend to understand when it comes to electric vehicles now another point that i like to make is i am an advocate of upgrading the grid our electrical grid is everybody here has probably heard me say it fragile I believe you said it can be taken down by the uh, the squirrel of injustice or you know, your <laughs> unique way of saying things, but it is fragile. Well, I mean, yeah, when, when, a, when a misplaced rodent chewing on something can actually like destroy the power for like blocks of houses in the right situation. Yeah, it, you call that fragile or barely existent, extent, whatever you want to say. So a lot of people like to use the fear of if we're all charging our cars instead of buying gas. It will stress out the grid. And in case anybody's wondering, it will. But you know what else it will do? It will force them to upgrade that electrical grid and stop using Edison's invention as it was intended back then. Yeah, see, really what it is that people, I, I, I say this all the time, and it, it, it became a running joke between you and I, and now I just get kind of depressed every time I have to say it because it's just a reoccurring theme here about people fearing what they don't understand. But the fact of the matter is they're afraid of electric vehicles because they don't understand it. Well, then when someone you know is able to explain and, and, and convey information to where they, they comprehend it, then all of a sudden they, they're afraid of it because they, they don't understand the way the infrastructure. Yes, of course, it's going to stress out our infrastructure. Absolutely, because it has to change. It has has to evolve. We have to sit there and look at things the way they are and go, well, this was great for 50 years. It's past its expiration date. It's time to move on and change it. It has to it has to, you know, improve for the rest of our lives to improve. And that's really hard for people to to comprehend and it sucks because these aren't like I hate to say this, but these aren't like, you know, really controversial big important topics like the Earth is important, but it shouldn't even be a controversial topic. Do you like having a planet to live in? Well, yeah, I like to breathe. Okay, well, do you want your grandchildren to have a planet to breathe on? Of course I do. Do you want them to have safe and reliable transportation? Well, yeah, that's good. These are what we have to do. This is how we change it. Well, like, remember when we asked those questions in the 80s about climate, the it was an overwhelming no. We said, yes, we'd like to leave a nicer planet for our children, but all the actions pointed the other way. It was all financial gain. So, well, yeah, uh, but that was also the eighties. The eighties don't really count for anything but good music and bad hair. <laughs> we, have, we, as the consumer, force the leaders of this nation, and I mean, either both through law or through financial, mm-hmm. 
to make those changes. Because right now, here's the deal. The people leading that argument aren't my friends and family. My friends and family are not creating memes to send to me about electric vehicles. They didn't think about it till they saw it. The people who are creating those are people who work for gas companies. They're people who lead gas companies. Mm -hmm. People who have literally said at Wall Street, yes, electric vehicles are the way of the future. I'm just trying to hold out until I retire. They're trying to stunt the growth of humanity so that they can continue to get money until they're done doing that. Well, what they're trying to do is they're trying to secure their paycheck. You know, marketing is is a wonderful thing in business, but it also works both ways. Marketing is essentially just a manipulation of the information you have to make it palatable to the people that you want to consume it. So essentially, you just take what you have and say, well, I need people to think this about this. How do I do that? And that's a really great skill to have. Unfortunately, it's really great on the good side and the bad side. It's We talked about greenwashing you know, a lot in the past about different things and companies, but it's all the same. It's all the same shtick. It's all marketing. It's them trying to present a, a reason for you to keep giving your money to them. Yeah, and moving to an electrical transportation system is a long-term solution to a dirty process that we have. Now, the other problem, other than business leaders trying to keep it the same until they die, is politicians can't make long-term goals. Because, first of all, we're very critical of them in everything they do, no matter how big or small. And they are re-elected on such short cycles that they can't make long-term plans because they have to make splashes every short-term process. They literally play for the quarterly report. I think you're giving them too much credit. Politicians don't actually do anything. The people that pay them really pull the strings. And I say that because like, it, it doesn't really matter what they get in front and say. People listen to what they want to hear. Unfortunately, it's just a big game of confirmation bias and who's got the bigger budget. And unfortunately, at least in this country, there's a lot of bickering back and forth and a lot of complaining and whining and lots of tons of pointing the finger and it, no results there's no no resolutions are ever really brought up and when there are decent ones people can't agree on it so they just fight about that too i'm not going to get fired up about this i'm just going to say that it's a little depressing well and it's not even for the ones who do uh even for the ones who get mad go to congress because you know get elected and want to make that change they spend 90% of their time fundraising. Fundraising and having to say the things that need to be said to the people who donate the money instead mm -hmm. of actually focusing on long-term solutions. So right now, this country is built on a ton of short-term initiatives and not long-term solutions. We're moving the electrical grid into a smart grid, microgrid system. Moving our transportation to electric is the beginning of the long-term solution because there are other solutions solutions out there like hydrogen fuel. So there are some things that we can do to reduce emissions through transportation and, and still diversify it. But we'll never get there if all we can do is go from a cycle of election, 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 because they're always in danger of losing their job. And that's why, like you always see online, oh, I want more term limits, shorter term, all these things. All that does is take away our power. We vote people in to do a job, but if we constantly leave them on the edge of their job, they're never really going to do the job. They're just going to impress us a small window at a time instead of looking and creating a long-term solution. And when you term limit someone out, what if they are good? What if they were building this long-term solution? Well, now we have to go find someone who will keep it up because I think you know as well as I do, one person 
in leadership of corporate slash political leadership may start something good. But when they're gone and the next guy comes in or, or the next lady comes in, they're going to look at that and go, eh, I don't like that initiative. That's not tied to my name. Scrap it. Start a new one. And we get nowhere. Well, yeah, I agree with that. But I, I'm going to spin this a little bit of a different way. I kind of look at, um, especially in politics, as professional resume building. I don't believe in my heart that the majority of politicians are in a position of power because they want to affect change. I think that they're using it as a stepping stone and telling you what you want to hear to get another position under their belt so they can climb up the ladder. I think that being a politician is a career nowadays for many people, not not something you do while you're servicing the career that you're passionate about. And I say that because there's a lot of places in life that if we had effective people in them, you know, they could do a lot of good. But it, it just feels like all they're really interested in is getting to the next step. And I say that in, in no reference to what you had just said. You can see that because every every next administration and no matter and this is i'm not just talking like presidential i mean in general any election you have throughout your state the majority of them want to undo what's been done when they get in there based solely on the premise that the platform they ran on was the polar opposite of what people were currently uh electing so essentially if if, if your party is elected then you're gonna pick out the tiny things that you you enjoy about that and then you're gonna find a way to bash that person into the ground to get elected next and it's it's just horrible it's it's this is one of those things where we could talk about this for hours and never actually did dive deep on the topic of electric vehicles because unfortunately for us instead of having the planet and, and our environment as as a priority it's a political issue and it shouldn't i don't think that Politics really has a, a tremendous place in this, with the exception of being responsible to pass policy to stop us from destroying the planet. Outside of that, outside of writing a law here and there that helps us do the right thing or stops us from doing terrible things, they should just bow out and allow people to make the decisions that responsible people can make instead of just saying, hey, you know, oh, he's going to save us. This one man is going to fix this billion person problem. That right there is ridiculous. You are going to tell me that the people that we're electing are the smartest people in the world and that this guy, this this moron who can't even dress himself because he has AIDS to do it is somehow smarter than the hundreds of thousands of scientists that are working to prevent this problem every day. I don't think so. Yeah. But that's how it's portrayed to us. And it's ridiculous. We don't need a savior. We're not looking for the next Geo Jesus. We're looking for someone that can lead a movement to change the planet. Yeah, the government only has two jobs. Stop us from breaking things and fund the things that are not financially viable until they are financially viable. That same thing that's happened in the past with our telephone service with mm -hmm. wireless it was highly subsidized until those companies could stand on their own because we needed the infrastructure and for now space travel where nasa basically creates this they do all the dangerous stuff once it becomes easy commercial takes over and then nasa subcontracts paying them to get them viable and at some point that's going to be just as common as paying your wireless bill same thing when it comes to our electrical grid and or new technology the government's job is to subsidize it to make it viable because that's a direction we need to go in now there are legitimate complaints about the environmental side of electric vehicles, and that's because of lithium. Lithium strip mining is very destructive 
Absolutely no. it is. But there's also a miss in there. So most of uh, lithium comes from China, Chile, and Australia. A we do have we do have a lot of reserves here, but we do not tap them as, as often as those three countries. <laughs> of course we don't. <laughs> well, and that, you know Sorry. what? I don't want to. I understand right now that the United States is going through a hurry up and pump it out of the ground because we've always held our oil so that we would have the reserves. But now that they're yep. not going to be selling it soon, we're just l- quite literally raping the land, trying to rip as much quote unquote value out of the ground. I think you just leave it. It's more valuable to not destroy everything around it when it's an obsolete source. And with Are lithium, you... I'm okay with them doing it. I prefer them doing it. I, I think that the reason I laughed about that was because, it, it. oh, Lord, there's no easy way to say this or to even talk about it. I think to some degree it makes sense how, how nations rely on each other. To, for in terms of their economies, you know, you know, one one country gets uh, or in in some cases continents get you know really rich by having huge amounts of resources, and we they you know remove it, we purchase it, blah blah blah. I understand that. I, I know that a lot of lithium and stuff comes out of Australia. I watched a documentary on that the other day about how certain aspects, certain places, destro- Australia are destroyed because of the the mining and stuff, and it's just huge gaping holes. And I understand all that. It's also, if I remember correctly, it's actually pretty recyclable. It's ninety six percent recyclable we just don't do it yet okay well see that right there is an issue considering it's been the main power source for phones for like the last 10 years they should they should have been recycling it the whole time but every time we change in this world everything we do in this world as a human species there is a cost to pay for every decision you make every decision you don't make you don't have the decision to not pay the cost you have the decision or the responsibility to deal with a cost of the decision you're going to make. So when you, unfortunately you have to put it down and do like a pros and cons list to find out which one has got the most net positives and the least amount of net negatives for the future and technology and moving forward. And unfortunately for that, it does. The phrase you have to crack a few eggs to make, to make an omelet. It's a really stupid cliche thing. And usually it's, it's someone's excuse for doing something terrible, but it it's also true. If you want, a new power source, you're going to have to mine it out of the ground until you can find a way to just harness the Earth's gravitational effect and create electricity out of nowhere. You, you have to mine it. You have to do these things that are, in some aspects, absolutely terrible. I'm not I'm not condoning it and I'm not negating the seriousness of it. It really is. It sucks. It sucks to have to destroy parts of you know a beautiful landscape. But if that ends up being a lot less worse for the environment than coal and gas and our current you know system and infrastructure, then we should do the thing that's going to harm less. Well, and that's you kind of hit a point there is the fact that yes, strip mining for lithium is highly destructive. So is coal mining. So are these large holes and caverns and caves that are are in uh, mountains. They're just as dangerous. They're just as destructive. And coal isn't recyclable. It is not going to be captured, as some might think, compressed and reused. It is burnt, sent to the atmosphere, and you go get more. Where if we just change the disposable habit of lithium, 96% of it, because right now only about 5% of all lithium batteries are recycled. 
Most are just thrown in the trash. I'm done with these. They go in the trash. Your rechargeable batteries that I have in my house for all my kids' things, those are lithium. The ones in your cell phones, those are lithium. So when you trade your cell phone in, just so you know, those are now getting recycled. But when we throw them in a drawer or throw them away, they are not. They're just little bits of lithium spread all over the world in these little piles that will be very challenging to recover. So as long as we can get off the concept of, and by the way, if you have rechargeable batteries, start a little bucket. And when you get enough of them, go to a batteries plus, go to places where they specialize in batteries, they will take them back. Those are all recyclable. So we wanna change that 5% closer to 95% or 100% so that we can recycle more. And once we do that, we strip mine less. Because at a 96% success rate of recyclability, you don't need as much virgin material after a while. You can just keep recycling, rebuilding, and reusing. And that is very important because the, the future of transportation is either both electric and hydrogen or one or the other. It's probably going to be a balance of both because hydrogen is the most abundant element in the universe and electricity can be produced in so many different ways. Now, some of the other concerns people have is I'm not going to sit at a gas station for a half hour. You're right. Gas stations go away. When all the vehicles become electric, there won't be gas stations. You'll have charging stations at restaurants. You'll have charging stations at the hairdresser. Places that you're going to be at least 15 minutes or longer, the grocery store. That's where the charging stations will be. You will never actually go somewhere for gas. You will always park someone somewhere you were already parking and decide to top off for two or three bucks. That's how that's going to work. There will no longer be a destination for gas. It will just be everywhere. And another thing, I want to go back to the lithium thing real quick. I know I said that, you know, the largest strip mines are in uh, China, Chile, and Australia, and I'd rather them be there. I say that because I'm still thinking with borders. I need to get better at thinking globally because I, I do believe that at some point in human the human future, It'll just be Earth with humans <laughs> instead of all these little lines drawn between people fighting all the time. The one thing that I'm going to just touch on, um, not that I probably need to say it, but, you know, I'm going to. When it comes to recycling resources, yes, obviously we want we want to recycle as much as possible. But what I think that goes without saying is that the more that's recycled, the, the less that gets, you know, shoved back in the ground. And not that... I, you know, don't want lithium in the ground per se, but like, I mean, it, it's one thing to, to mine it out. It's a whole another bag of worms to shove used batteries into the ground and let them seep out chemicals into the ground for the process of which they were made. So yeah, I, I think like I said, it goes without saying that uh, if, if we're recycling, if that number gets up to, you know, 90, 95%, then you know, a lot of them are going to not be in our landfills because even though you're not supposed to put batteries and chemicals in your garbage, how many people actually do that? How many people, you know, finish up a double A or a triple A battery, just chuck it in the trash. Just there it goes. Mm -hmm. Or it gets put in a junk drawer that might be emptied once a year and all that stuff goes in the garbage. So, and it sounds dumb. It sounds like, oh, it's just a little battery. It's not a big deal. But if every person in our country, just our country, you know, I'm talking about the world, but in our, our borders, every person did that with one battery a year. That's over 300 million batteries now. Now, I say that because every single device in your house that does take batteries, and there are still some smoke detectors and television remotes and that kind of stuff. They usually take two or three a piece, and that might last two or three months. But 
you know, you're going to replace them and you're going to, you know, and a lot of people, a lot of people just go through once a year and buy a whole new set of batteries and replace everything because they can, because they don't want it to run out, which is, I understand you're being preemptive, but then you have all this unneeded waste anyways. So please recycle them, get them out of our landfills. Well, and as much as I was trying to appeal to our listeners in Australia that I don't want to destroy their land, one of the things that we can do to resolve that is recycle our batteries. Because with coal, oil, and natural gas, after we burn it, we have to go find more. We're constantly digging. We're constantly searching. Where with Mm -hmm. lithium, once we meet the industry need, we only need the refill now. We need 4%. And once we've gotten there, most of it's just recycled as long as we're recycling. I told you a long time ago, I replaced every battery in the house with rechargeables Mm because the kids have game systems, the controllers. They were just mowing through batteries. I bought about 30 batteries about three years ago. We've never, we haven't thrown one away since. But as they start to fail, I have, it's actually a peanut bucket where you buy the peanuts from planters. Yeah. A clean, empty one of those that I will throw them in. And when it's full, I will take it in and have them recycled because that's how we keep the holes out of the ground. That's how we Mm -hmm. keep from endangering citizens in neighboring towns or water supplies or any of these things is by just constantly recycling. Mm -hmm. So why do people do these memes? Why, what is the result of these things floating around Facebook? It literally is designed to slow progress. It is a attempt to, first of all, for the individual who's sharing them, that's just my team. They're just announcing their team. That's that uh, my team believes this. And so do I, sometimes they don't even believe it. They're just, it's, cheering their team school of fish mentality it feels good to be included in the group it feels feels natural to be part of the herd it's it's subconscious and our and it it, honestly it's not even a choice people make yes they they choose to hit that share button but i mean it's not at no point does the average person ask why why am i making this decision it's just inclusivity you know confirmation bias I, i i'm part of the herd i'm part of the horde so swarm that's that's all it is and anyone that gets those references to pop culture in the 70s thank you i'm not alone but um i i just yeah continue sorry go on no you're fine it's it, all all the result is of those is it delays the possibility of growth because it always gets that person going well i would never buy one when honestly you put them in one and let them drive for three weeks and not go to the gas station they suddenly grow this whole new idea of what transportation is they they gain this whole new appreciation of what transportation is so don't get me wrong i i in my world I'm trying to get people out of cars. Uh, I'm trying to get people walking through town, riding bikes through town, but electric scooters, e-bikes, all these things use the same style batteries. And we're going to have to practice because there's going to be a lot of batteries everywhere. We have to practice recycling them. But in the process, talk about it. If you've got an e-bike and you love it, tell people all about it. Let someone ride your e-bike because I'll tell you, I, as a big man, am not riding a bicycle to the neighboring town, but <laughs> but an e-bike I could. I only have to pedal so much. Most of it, I can just hit the motor and go. It's a mix, and that's pretty cool. We can get more places without a car. That's why it doesn't matter what gas prices are pretty soon. The demand will continue to drop. It will never go back up. Gas prices will never be a dollar again unless we're all quarantined to home and not able to drive 
that's when gas goes to a dollar now. Gas prices will never histor- will never go down. It's going to slowly. Like I said, other countries are at $6 a gallon. We're at three, and we've got pitchforks out. Well, keep them out. It's not going down. It's an obsolete form of fuel that even if we had an abundance of, the world knows they have to wean us off of it. And how do you wean us off something we're addicted to? You price us out of it. No different than cigarettes. They're going to do the exact same thing with gas. So the quicker you make the jump to EV, and by the way, the family member who bought the EV, I asked, How's your electric bill? Because you see that all the time, too. Well, your house bill will go shooting through the roof. They haven't noticed. They don't know how much it is because they haven't noticed a difference yet. He said, well, you know, there was a change in seasons, so I'm not sure how much more I'm paying. But that tells me it's such a small amount that they're not even noticing the difference. It shouldn't take much. I mean, it's not like you're heating your house with electricity. You're you're charging a essentially a, a vehicle that has i assume and i i don't know much about the evs i assume that they only have like they have one small motor per tire in some cases two and other cases four depending on the type of vehicle it doesn't take a whole lot of juice to make motors go and i'm sure it takes power but i mean i, d- I doubt it takes as much as your refrigerator does well it's a different a different circuit running a different way i mean it still has to move the mass but you know, for that individual, they drive to Saginaw from Durand every day, every single day. They drive out, well, not every day, but most days for work. And they love every second of it because they don't stop at gas stations anymore. So what I want to do when having this conversation is is two parts. One, give the normal listener of the show who probably is more an advocate to EV or hybrids, some of this information is defense. So when a family member or friend say these silly little one-liners that they've learned from Facebook, I don't usually sit and lecture people. I just say, do you want to know? You know, do you want to know if that's true? Or do you want to know deeper? Because really what that is is a surface understanding of a problem. We're seeing a lot of that right now where we, we change the scope to just the surface so it fits my need. But if we ask two or three whys, or anything else underneath it, it kind of ruins their argument. So I want to be able to give people some of this information, which I'm sure some people already knew, so they can answer those questions. But I also, if there's anybody out there listening who maybe fears electric vehicles, has that range anxiety, has the fear that if I buy one of these things, I can't go on long trips, I can't do this, I can't do that. None of that stuff's true. None of it is true. And the longer we wait to make that change, the longer we hold off progress on some very important factors on this planet, which are climate change, energy independence, and modernizing society. So for me, when it's economically viable, I I will make that switch. And I encourage anybody else to at least consider making that switch when it meets your economic needs. Now, last before we close up, one thing's going to help this whole process move forward. And one of those is that places like Amazon buys 100,000 vans, that delivery companies or Lyft and Uber where they subcontract cars to people, those cars will be electric. The more electrics you're in, the more electrics you see on the road, the quicker the everyday person will make that change. That family member of ours who has one, in all other cases in life, they're early adopters. 
So I didn't expect them to early adopt to electric, but they did. But it, they're predisposition to like them because they're always pushing the new technology. Mm-hmm. Most of us aren't, or a lot of us are not. So it takes seeing it around. We, you know, we have family members who are adamantly against electric, that there's no way in their lifetime they're ever going to own anything other than electric. But you know darn well that if a friend has one and they're bragging about how they've saved $100 a month and they're doing all these things with it, they'll immediately start considering. When those vehicles hit their circles, when they see them everywhere, that is when people start changing their mind. Well, like most things, when when it starts to give you a first-hand experience in whatever it is, this isn't just vehicles, this is just in life. Anytime that something new and you know spooky is around the corner, when you actually get to experience firsthand, it tends to change your perspective on it. And I can tell you, without mentioning names, there are certain people in our family and our extended families that will be very against it until they, they, they're they in the passenger seat or they sit in the driver's seat and someone mats it and makes them go as fast as they can instantly. And they feel that rush, that, that G-force hit their chest. It's going to change things. They're going to go, oh, I want one of those. Once well, they it, realize. Hmm? Yeah. Well, once they line up next to one and, and, it, and race it and it's a completely different environment, you know, you're going to see. I, I you see it on YouTube all the time. People with normal everyday EVs just smoking race cars off the line. <laughs> you know, there's always the, I just got beat by a Chevy Bolt, and so those there are individuals that once they get a a taste of that, they they may enjoy it. Some will shy away because they still can't work on them, and they probably won't. But it is going to be the ex- experiencing them because they are a superior vehicle. I mean, all the way around the board, they really are a superior vehicle. The only advantages to an internal combustion engine vehicle now is this enjoy of the sound and feel of one because we grew up with that rumbling grumble. Yeah. Now, the next generations won't. Quiet will be the thing. And the other part is, is that the infrastructure is already rolled out for it. If gas stations were sporadic, range anxiety would be true for internal combustion also. Mm-hmm. It's got 100 years on electric. But the electric rollout you're going to see will be most, you're going to see a, like a 30% coverage by 2025. Ford, GM, Volkswagen, Tesla, all of these companies are buying and putting up chargers everywhere. Because they, they're going to need people to buy their electric cars because they're just going to stop making internal combustion engines. So we can argue and fight and stomp our feet and post memes and make fun of. But guess what, man? In five years, that person's going to be driving an EB2. Well, yeah, of course they are, because these companies want to stay in business. And if, if the world is going that way, you'd be a fool not to go with the times. If I mean, it's greenwashing at its best. They're doing the right thing because they don't want to go broke and close. That's fine. Whatever. If it gets the right thing done, do it. Yeah, it's the Neil deGrasse Tyson. The only thing that rich people fear is dying poor. Yes. And no one wants to be, no one looks at, Sears with at with admiration anymore. No one looks at Kmart. These are these are companies that did not move with the times. So all these automakers out there are now partnering together. They understand there's a lot of cost and a lot of effort, but they waited far too long. Now they have to hustle because Tesla has created a viable electric vehicle mm-hmm. and then opened their patents. Because competition is what's going to put people in EVs, where now GM has pushed all their chips into the center. Ford has pushed all their chips into the center. Ford's 
looking at that high performance EV, you know, the electric lightning and electric Mustangs, those kinds of things, you're going to see smaller vehicles with electric powertrains. It is what it is. But you know what? If you follow what we talk about week in and week out, you're only in that vehicle for longer trips because you walk uptown, you take your bike, you do all these other things. Those vehicles become the thing you use. And, and nowadays, a lot of people don't even go to work anymore. I don't go to work. I work from home unless I absolutely have to go somewhere. So vehicles are becoming less and less used. They're becoming a tool. And our kids and their kids won't even have that love of sound, love of feel. They won't be tied to their vehicle. A lot of people look at their vehicle and say, this is a representation of me instead of it's a tool to get from place to place. That's why we have so many different models, colors, and uh, and styles. I, I think it, I think that's part of it, but I think I think it, it more so lies in the notion that they're so expensive that if people are going to spend that kind of money to get something, they're they're going to want to like what they're driving. And, and most people, uh, okay, I can't say most people. There there's tons of people in both demographics. There's a lot of people that make plenty of money to buy what they want when they want, and there is an equally huge amount of people that just flat out don't that get what they can to scrape by. And when those people move from that lower tier to having a better career, having better money, more income, less bills, whatever gets them up in that next category. They tend to want to buy exactly what they want because it's for the first time in their life they can because being materialistic may sound terrible, but it's in all of us. Some people are more materialistic than others, but it is. And the more poor you are, the more you tend to focus on those items as part of your identity when you're able to actually get them. And I think that that will probably never change. I, as long as there's poor people, as long as there's there's poverty in this world, that will that will never go away, ever. Well, it's funny because in the United States, we have such a con- consumer culture that when I did purchase my truck, and I, I purchased, it, purchased it with the understanding it would be the second to last vehicle I own, that my final vehicle would be electric and hopefully self-driving electric. But when I went to buy that truck, I picked the things I wanted it to do. And then, okay, which one do you want? I didn't care. I want these features. So when they said, okay, well, what color? The one you bring up here. Like, I don't, I'm not tying myself to my vehicle as if it makes me a better person. These are the tools I want my vehicle to have. Go get me one. And it, it caused so much confusion, they didn't know what to do. So I limited it down. Okay, bring a black or a white one. Do you have those? Yep, whichever one you grab the keys to. Like, it it wasn't that important. I wanted the specific features, and that was it. And I think that with my son, Aiden, he wants to have a nice item, but he doesn't necessarily care. He's not going to be the person who has to have this amazing car. To him, it's just an expensive thing that, may, that gets him back and forth. Mm-hmm. And his kids... It's just going to be a tool that they get into and they don't, it doesn't even have a steering wheel. It's going to, no one's even going to own a car. When you need one, you'll go online and order it. It will show up and take you wherever you got to go and it will head back to the hub. That's all part of that automation side. We're only a couple generations away. When we're the old cranky guys, we're going to go, I remember when I could control this thing. I, I had a steering wheel and they're going to look, our grandchildren are going to look at us going, oh my goodness, that's dangerous. Uh, well that's that's not wrong it's but on the flip side i mean it's it's 
it is dangerous, but yeah, for everyone that thinks that like the fight over electric vehicles is is it's bad. You wait for the fight for automation. You wait for uh, <laughs> um, self driving vehicles. I'm serious. Like you wait for that fight because it's going to be huge. I'm looking forward to a self driving vehicle. I I like not having to drive. That I can sit and continue doing whatever I'm doing. I can upload this podcast if I want to on the way. If I have to go to work and it's a 40 minute ride, not a drive, I can sit in there with my laptop and edit this show. Or you can take a nap. Or you could take a nap. That's that's where I think that's where they should sell this on. Like marketing, like sleep while you're driving. All the people that run rag and all those Sunday warrior moms that don't get any time to themselves, go for a drive, go to sleep. Or there'll be zero drunk drivers. When you when there's no steering wheels and you don't get the option, you just get in, fall in, and wake up in your driveway. Zero drunk drivers. Yeah, you know hilarious to be if you like called an Uber or a taxi and you're hammered and they pick you up and they just drop you off at the police station. Like, uh, oh, figure we <laughs> save you the trip. <laughs> Why? They're not driving. They're I, good. I just think it's funny. <laughs> so Anyways, the moral of the story is, is that when you see these things, these memes, these comments, they're true. Almost every one of them on the surface are true. But all it's designed to do is prolong the, the progress. It's, it's an attempt to poo-poo something so things don't have to change. It's more of that I don't want it to be different in my lifetime than it is the, the technology is good or bad. The, the technology is far superior. The long-term outlook of the energy pricing or protectance is excellent. It is by far better to look at electric and or hydrogen than any fossil fuel. So just understand, when you see those things, it's, I don't want to say ignorance because it sounds bad, but it's team sports ignorance. It's, I'm, I want to be accepted by this group, so I'm posting it. Very few people will care once they have them other than the hobbyist there will always be a few can there'll always be some internal combustion out there that someone will fire up every once in a while for nostalgia reasons but the future is not fossil fuels so that's all we have this week if you like this episode share it with a friend or on social media other ways you can support realistic sustainability is by becoming a monthly supporter or monthly sustainer which is a much more fun word on our anchor hosting site or simply just leave a five-star review i'll tell you it's been like a month since someone left us a good review so if you get an opportunity go on to itunes and leave us a positive five-star review it helps us tremendously not only do i have fun reading them i when i feel bad i can always go back and see the nice words that people say about us but it also kind of talks others into listening to us so we do appreciate that also remember we're only trying to get a little better each time we're not trying to change the world in one sentence it's little bit little bit at some point that becomes a big bit so thanks for listening i'm mike and i'm nick and we'll see you next week Hi, this is Mike, co-host of Realistic Sustainability, the podcast, which you probably already know, but I'm also the author of A Beginner's Guide to Greening Your Life. That was the book that led to our Facebook page, our Facebook group, and, well, even this show. It offers tips on promoting your positive footprint while decreasing your carbon footprint. So if you want to read what started all of this, get A Beginner's Guide to Greening Your Life, available on Amazon, eBay, 
Etsy, or just visit greeningyourlife.org for more information. Thank you for joining the sustainable movement and promoting a greener future.